Hi, welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Emerald Rock. This time we're going to be talking about a fan favourite, Anthony Brisket II. And we're going to be deciding today whether this man was a traitor or hero. I'm sure you're all asking yourself, wow, that name sounds familiar. Well, you're right, this is the son of Anthony Brisket, which we discussed from our podcast on the case of a century. This story will show how easily he falls some graces, and will highlight how dangerous life is in a new colony, especially when you're Irish. This podcast will use sources from British History Online, the National Archives, but mainly will focus on sources from Aubrey Gwynn's archive, which for the entirety of this podcast will probably refer to as Gwynn's archive. So, let's get started. Anti-Brisket II grew up and from the start of his life had been cheated out of a significant amount of his inheritance. However, Osborne ensured that he still received most of his estates, but took all his money. This can clearly be seen as according to sources from Gwynne's archives, page 264, Lord Willoughby in a report in 1669 stated that the II owned a Montserrat, the fourth house plantation containing about 525 acres, one other called the Waterwork Plantation, containing about 573 acres, and one other called the South Side of Your River Plantation, containing about 300 acres. This was a huge amount of land and estates, and shows that despite Osborne hindering him, Anthony Brisket II is still amassed great wealth. Similarly, in terms of politics, Anthony Brisket II was part of the Assembly in the 1660s, and went on to become the governor in 1667 to 1668, so he was clearly a success here too. However, his greed for political power would eventually lead to his downfall. You see, to become the governor in 1667, he had to accept a French commission. This was because Montserrat at the time was occupied by the French commander, de Barre. A National Archive document, CO124, number 70, states that he accepted the commission from a French king, king to govern most especially the Irish inhabitants of the Leeward side. This meant that he betrayed the English government, which was particularly shocking as his father was a devout Protestant, and Francis Willoughby hired him to be governor due to his Protestancy. This is clearly seen as a betrayal, as in reports in the 1670s, 1670s, the British authorities became even less trusting of Irish in Montserrat, with Charles Wheeler, British colonial aristocrat, stating from British History Online section July 1675, by the French and Irish, the king is so much weaker, for in any way the French would revolt and the Irish betray the English as if it was a first war. It's clear these betrayals left long-lasting damage in relation to ship between Montserrat and the British authorities. It was even so damaging that Wheeler also recommended that an Irish government should never be allowed to run Montserrat again, despite to this point every governor being Irish. He even had audacity to say that a small garrison of English should be kept in pay to monitor the island and ensure that the Irish could not rebel. Therefore, although this temporarily made Brisket II the governor of the island, it had irreversible damage on Montserrat governor's future relations with British authorities. Similarly, Brisket's governorship only lasted a year, as the French got pushed out of Montserrat very quickly. Upon the English authorities' return, Brisket had many questions to answer, as all of them saw him as a traitor. In his deposition, he defended his actions by claiming that he only accepted a French commission, according to Gwynne Archives, page 262, um, in order to preserve uh, Your Majesty's most distressed subjects, which otherwise, by the fury 
or barbarous bloody Indians, and others had undoubtedly been utterly destroyed, as by certificates and other evidence doth more largely appear, which if they had been destroyed would not only have been the loss of them, but also a reassessment of, the, of your majesty's island. And the, rather than, than during the time of your government, uh, you and waiting for you to rescue your poor subjects from many calamitous dangers, but never resisted any power from your majesty. Although this might seem confusing as it uses old-timey language, essentially this argument was that if he didn't accept the commission, the English subjects on the island would be prisoners and wouldn't have any protection from Indian or privateer attacks. So he did it to protect and maintain the colony in the meantime, as he knew that English would eventually reconquer them, and he didn't want to cause any, any irreversible damage in the meantime. Similarly, a National Archive document, CO124, number 70, also reveals another angle he argued against the traitorous allegations against him, was that he provided a testimony uh, from several considerable inhabitants and planters of Montserrat, who claimed that his actions had come at their request. These Englishmen claimed they were worried about the fury of a rebellious Irish and wanted Brisket the second to preserve him from the danger. So essentially they spoke out to protect him and said he was doing it so he could look after them. And that's why he took the French commission to be governor. Um, similarly, he also says in a petition to Lord Willoughby in January 1668 from Gwyn Archives, page 260, that we, with all others of His Majesty's loyalty subjects of the island, have so much above and any other of neighbours, been devastated, wasted and destroyed in the late unhappy war. Not only by one enemy in this time of their short stay of us, but have likewise been hit many times by, by the most barbarous and inhumane manner, been robbed, plundered, stripped and almost utterly consumed of all that we had in the new world by a party of rebellious and wicked people of the Irish nation, of neighbours and inhabitants in such sort, as it is almost impossible either for man or pen to utter or describe, neither can we all together. Um, also within this petition to Lord Willoughby, who at the time was the governor of the Leeward Islands, he repeatedly extolled his loyalty to his majesty and tried to get back in his good books essentially. Uh, the reason why he's done another petition is that this one was in fact signed by many of his close friends and planters who had quite a respectable re reputation in Montserrat. So it was signed by 27 of the leading planters of the island. Um, both these methods were meant to try and justify his actions for accepting the French commission. However, they ultimately all failed. This is when he had to try his last-ditch effort of claiming in 1669 that he was necessitated to keep a guard in his house every night until the arrival of your majesty's fleet. This was found in Gwyn's archive, page 265. He claimed that he needed a guard to protect him at night due to the extent that he tried to protect Montserrat from falling into the hands of Irish rebels. He felt that his life was at risk from his own neighbours. Uh, he tried, tried to here to paint himself as a martyr to try to protect the island. Um, but in reality, this seems far from the truth and just a cover-up. But he knew what he was doing because this was a serious concern of the British authorities. As in the private letters between Robert Southwell, 
Secretary of State for Ireland to Sir Peter Pett. Um, this is also found in the National Archive document. Montserrat being forsaken by the French and left by them in the hands of Irishmen, who has set a government of themselves over them. This clearly shows that it was a worry that a Irish governor was going to rise up, as a lot of them he thought it already happened. So, although we can't confirm that Brisket uh, did resist, this does still seem to be a ploy by Brisket in order to impress on the British authorities that he is still loyal. Although, although all of his objections to being called a traitor were taken into account, and were likely the reasons why he wasn't executed or exiled to another island, like many of the other rebellious Irish people were. It still wasn't completely successful, as he was stripped of all of his land still. In a response to his petition, uh, found in Gwyn's archive, page 264, that Willoughby said, uh, excuse the, the confusing language, as it's going to be spoke in the way he said it, the fourth house plantation, formerly yours, lying upon ye road, and being judged the most convenient place in ye island, whereon to build a town and fort. I did buy advice a lot, part of it for ye building of a town and fort accordingly, and ye remaining part of it to be disposed of for ye future better support and maintenance of a deputy governor for ye time being. And Stapleton, a very deserving gentleman, being by me afterwards appointed deputy governor of the island for his better encouragement to plant and settle there, the country not being in any condition to support a governor and there being no present allowance for him, I did settle upon him and his hairs the waterwork plantation formerly yours, the other plantation of yours called the south side of your river plantation remains yet for your majesty's use. Essentially, all his land was taken from him. And one, uh, two of them were given to the deputy governor, William Stapleton, and the other one was waiting to be used by his majesty. Despite not getting imprisoned, this would end up being the end of anti-prisoner II on Montserrat, as without any land and his reputation solid, he was un unable to reach his old levels of wealth and political power. This is a great example of what life on the Caribbean was really like, as it only took one mistake to cause your ruin. Brisket had to learn this the hard way, sadly. Similarly, it's an important milestone in the Montserrat colony, as it was the first proper act of defiance of British rule, and it did damage their relationship with Britain for a while to come. Therefore, it's important. It's an important moment to discuss within Montserrat's history. Finally, thank you all for listening. If you want to learn more about Anthony Brisket II's successor, William Stapleton, click on the next episode. I hope you're ready for an exciting adventure. Because a lot of the things can be said about Stapleton, but boring isn't one of them. See ya.